0: Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Utah Jazz off last night. They are back at it tonight at home against. Wait for it. The Clippers. A real test. After watching the Jazz win three out of four to open the season, which is what the Clippers have done. Also, we'll get to see the Jazz go at home against. What we think is one of the better teams in the West. I think they're the best team in the West right out of the gate. And they don't even have George yet. But we got that coming up tonight. We also have big football to look forward to this weekend. Get you ready for the Aggies and the Cougars. we got Gary Anderson coming up in a minute. But right now, Frank Dolce, our Utah football insider, looking back at the Utes' win, their fourth in a row, and looking ahead to the big game at Washington. Here's Frank Dolce. Frank, good morning.
1: Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK.
0: Hello Frankie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, pr- pretty good weekend for the youth.
2: Yes it was. It was as expected. They dominated. I had no doubt that they will. I thought they would cover all along and they did. Now, I mean we can we can talk about that game, but it was pretty much I don't want to go German on you, but it was feta accompli I think going into that game and now looking forward this is it, man. Saturday. By the time you go to bed Saturday night and I know you're a late partier, so it'll be well into Sunday morning, <laughs> we will know exactly where the three teams who still have opportunities yeah. to win the, the both divisions, that being Oregon. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to beat Oregon on the either side so, on the other side, but certainly on the south. I think we'll know exactly where we stand the first weekend of November.
1: No. Question about it. This is a huge weekend for uh, college football, for Pac-12 especially, and um, I think they're they're great matchups. I mean, Utah Utah at Washington, obviously. We'll talk we'll talk about that one. But but the thing with USC and Oregon, uh, as I look across, because Utah obviously needs some help, uh, and they need some help from USC, and no offense but the way Arizona State is playing right now, I just don't think. I, I, at one point, I thought that might be a team that, to knock off USC. I guess they still could, but but the way the two teams are playing right now, I think this is Utah's best chance for USC to take a loss with Oregon uh, this weekend. And I, and I like the way Oregon is playing. But USC just brings so much talent to the field, and they seem to be playing with – A lot more confidence than they were earlier in the season so i think that is a fantastic matchup at the coliseum
0: how many doubts do you have about the utes going to seattle because obviously washington has been a disappointment versus the preseason expectations that a lot of people had for him and washington does have a history of taking a utah and kyle winningham's one and six against chris peterson I know it's not it's not great. It's the one matchup uh, as Utah even as Utah started
1: rolling along, the way that Washington managed Oregon, I thought a game that Washington, who maybe should have figured out a way to win that one, and kind of a controversial call at the end on the non-passing interference penalty. Uh, that's just a, you look at you look at Washington and what they've done. and They lost a lot of people on the defensive side, but still really talented. And I think, uh, although I I haven't been necessarily sold on Eason at quarterback, he's shown signs of being really, really good. And it's just hard to imagine a Washington team under Chris Peterson taking four losses. (laughs) And if they took the loss against Utah, that would be four losses on the season. So... Uh, you know, and and then it's at Seattle, and then the re- like you mentioned the record against Coach Whittingham. It's a lot of things going against against Utah right now, and we'll have to see about the health of of Tyler Huntley because by the time he left the field on Saturday evening, he looked like he was he was pretty hobbled. So uh, it's it, it's the it is the it's the premier matchup in the in the conference this week, Utah and Washington. I know that Utah opened up as, a, as a three, I think, a three-point favorite, but, man, I just, this, this game to me is, is just even, and it's kind of one of those things. I think if both teams play clean, then Utah, the way Utah's rolling right now, Utah comes out on top. But if it gets ugly, if there are turnovers and mistakes and penalties that go the wrong way for the Utes, then, then I think Washington might uh, figure out a way to take that one.
2: Okay, well, they had the one game against SC where they committed the penalties. Otherwise, the penalties have been under control, and the turnovers really haven't yeah. been an issue. I mean, they were uh, they got a little Not loose against the Devils, but it didn't matter right. with that defense. it seems like their defense. I think that I think that as I look at the Utes going into Seattle, and the reason why I feel confident is the offense is good enough. And I know, and Huntley, you're right. He's some, he is hobbling because you you should. If you happen to just watch on that, uh, where he scrambled a little bit and hit that dump off pass to yeah. Moss, and Moss took it, in whatever it took it, 80, 90 yards, whatever it was. Just watching Huntley jog from when he left, where he threw the ball, and then he had to get all the way down the field. You could see him just <laughs> yeah. jogging down the field, and he had, it reminded me of Dirk Favors a couple years back when Favors was laboring to get up and down the court, but he was still out there. That's the way Huntley looked. Uh, so. If he can just do that, because he hasn't been running that much anyway this year, the one game he ran uh, the most was SC, and I think that was out of desperation with Moss being out of that game. So I think the offense can be okay. To me, the difference is the defense, which has always been good, has taken it up another five levels this year. And I think it's going to be the defensive performance against Washington's offense is the reason why I feel confident.
1: Well, if the defense plays the way it's played the last two weeks and, and, and throws another, you know, stifling blanket kind of defensive coverage and pressure and being disruptive at the line of scrimmage and the quarterback on skates, I mean, if they can do all of those things, then I feel confident as well. And I, I would, you know, I think that Eason's been prone to making bad throws a little bit here and there and making some mistakes. And, and this is certainly a Utah defense – that has shown the ability to to create difficulties for the opposing offense. So I like that I like that matchup. Uh, I, I think that it's more more of a stalemate, you know, on the other side. Utah offensively against Washington defensively. I just watched Washington play Oregon. I watched the replay last night, and, and that's a Washington defense. Even though they're young. And even though a lot of people say there aren't a lot of stars on that defense, that's a solid defense top to bottom. And now you're picking them up when they have, you know, more than half a year of experience. So the young thing doesn't really come into play anymore. The inexperienced thing isn't such a factor anymore. And they're led by a terrific safety. So I think that's a, that, that's a good matchup, more of a stalemate. It, it comes down to can Utah's defense stifle and shut down the productivity of Washington's offense and create a couple turnovers, uh, allowing Utah's offense to maybe have a short field and and, uh, put some points on the board.
0: So you mentioned the Utes in the last couple games. You know, if you go back four games, they've only given up 23 points in four games. I mean, that is outrageous. And there's only two touchdowns in there, and one of them was Oregon State's backups against Utah's backups with like a minute left in a blowout, and that doesn't really tell us anything. So why would I think, what does Washington have that they would, to PK's point, what does Washington have that they will score on the Utes?
3: Well,
1: I so no offense against any anybody else Utah's played, but but you're looking at last last three games Oregon State, Arizona State, um, and and then the Cal. matchup against Cal. Cal's def, Cal's offense was was Over-match. not great coming yeah. into this game, and then they went to their true freshman quarterback, and that even made it worse. Um, Arizona State's offense, although I'm a big fan of Eno Benjamin, I like Daniels, but he's a guy that just hasn't really It's terrific six-game stretch to open it up. And Utah finally was able to get to the – and he looked like a freshman quarterback. I mean, that's how freshman quarterbacks play, the way that Utah rattled him and was able to get to him. and, And Oregon State's nothing special. On the offensive side, this is nothing. I'm not taking anything away from what Utah has done defensively, but they're facing a different animal on on Saturday afternoon. Not you're not facing a, a, a left tackle who's a freshman. You know, Bradley and I is going up against a senior and a big senior and a guy that's probably going to get a chance to play on Sunday afternoons. And Washington, their center is a senior and a very exper- experienced offensive lineman. Kind of sets the tone for that offensive line. So right at the front, where games are won and lost in the trenches, Utah has a completely different battle. And then you talk about talent in the backfield. Well, by far, Eason is the best quarterback Utah has faced probably this year. And and then you ha- you add to that, three, maybe four wide receivers who are, I don't know if they reach the level of USC talent, but they're very talented in the wide receiver group. So, so all of a sudden, rather than facing a guy that you may be able to rattle in the offensive backfield or, or maybe a one trick pony on the offensive side or an offensive line that may be light in some key areas. This is a group that is much more solid top to bottom, and especially at the foundation right up front, right at the line of scrimmage.
2: Oh, no, Frank, you got me all nervous now. Utah's dream season? (laughs) And it's going to come crashing down in Seattle?
1: No, Holy no, freak. No, don't get, no, 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 no,
3: I just give him the little,
1: you know, the little flavor, the dose of reality, the little flavor for the game.
2: Yeah, that's okay, I don't have any it's problem with that.
1: It's a different matchup.
2: Yeah, and actually, it, it should be this way, because you're right, Oregon State isn't any good, and then these last couple of teams have been freshman quarterbacks. First-year freshman quarterbacks, no less. I mean, come on. You should, With all these seniors that you have, and you got both of those games at home, you should kick the crap out of both of those teams, and they did. And I think it's bad for the conference – if Utah goes up there and actually wins 35 to nothing, because the Pac 12 always has to prove itself. It's never given the benefit, it's never given a pass. It's always, yeah, but. So actually, I think that if the Utes win a close game and a nail biter, that type of thing, well, I should be better than if they go to Seattle and smoke them because they're going to look at, ah, well, the Pac 12 is so crap. And Clemson could beat the crap at everybody in the ACC. Well, they're awesome, but it doesn't matter that way. So. I agree with you there, and there's no problem with it. You can't have every game just being rolling, because if you do that, then people are gonna look down on the conference. So they need some tougher competition. They're going to get it, and they'll get it that day in the afternoon. And then following that is Oregon and SC. So it really sets up nicely. If SC wins, they very well could win. Utah could go eleven and one and not win, not take the South. But if that happens, so be it. Uh, I'm looking at SC, and I agree with you with that talent. And the Slovis kid, I had somebody when they came to BYU tell me inside the SC program that Slovis is really good and the offense would be good, but the defense is susceptible. So I'm looking for, in order for SC to win, they're probably going to have to win high-scoring games. So what do you think happens there?
1: I think you're right. I think think that USC is going to have to... (laughs) i mean it, it sounds obvious, but outscore the opponent and and that means put a lot of lot of points on the board because I just don't think their defense can can really shut people down It's not like you know if, if you take the if you take a utah defense and 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 wrap it into that game with a USC offense, then maybe USC only has to score twenty four points in that game to to come out on top, but I'm not sure that's the case, especially against an explosive Oregon offense with a very good and, and experienced quarterback. So, I could see that game kind of coming down to a 42-37 ish kind of a, an affair and that could go either way. Um certainly with the with what USC showed a week ago against Colorado when Pittman has hundred yards receiving in the fourth quarter and the Trojans make a somewhat miraculous comeback late in that football game. That's a that's an explosive offense with lots of weapon weapons and the and the ability to score. But now can they stop somebody? And I and I'm not sure that's the case, especially against an Oregon team. So for, for the sake of the Utes, I, I'm, and for the sake of the conference, maybe, I'm saying that uh, that Oregon, at the Coliseum, a difficult place to play, against a USC team that's kind of rolling right now, I think they figure out a way to, to come out on top, maybe by three points.
0: All right, so before we let you go, then, you've got Oregon winning, you've got Utah winning. They, when we talk to you in another week, the Utes are going to be all alone in first place. That's what you're saying, am I right?
3: Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I would hate to see the scenario that, that PK, because it's true. P, what PK says, an 11-1 Utah team, if USC continues to win, could figure out how to not win the South. That just doesn't seem to make sense. But, you know, Pac-12's crazy. It could happen. Yeah, no 8-1 team, no team has not win, won the division.
2: No 8-1 team has not won the division.
1: Well, there you go. It would, just, it would be side. stunning
2: to me if that were to happen. So I think the odds favored the Utes.
1: Absolutely. I agree. I agree. But it's a great, you know, these are the kind of football weekends, college football weekends that, that I really look forward to. Two really meaningful games in, in the Pac-12 and really competitive contests, and it should be a lot of fun.
0: All right, Frank, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Of course, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you guys. Frank Dolce, our Ute Football Insider. Hear him all week on all the shows here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Gary Anderson, Aggie coach
3: with PK9X. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Time to welcome in Utah State football coach Gary Anderson. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Gary, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, obviously, thir- uh, we're, we're probably better than you. I, I assume uh, you're stewing a little bit after the game. 31-7 to 7 wasn't the plan. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, so, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so you watch it. What what went wrong? There's probably a list of things that went wrong, but what were a couple of the critical things that went wrong and got that game off track? Well, I think
4: the one thing is is number one, the Air Forces is, is a very good team. Um, they're a mature team. They're um, a tough minded team, and uh, you know, uh, quite just frankly our our football team in that situation in that setting, we need to freaking be better on the line of scrimmages um, on both sides and you know we're, we have a young offensive line and we have this, and we have that, and blah 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 that, that's that's whatever we're we're far enough into the season to where you know we expect to be able to play at a high level and uh you know we got beat on the line of scrimmages, and so well, whatever that means moving forward we got to look at it, adjust it, understand it, coaching better kids got to take responsibility we got to get stronger we got to get Um, those settings and and, and grow up a little bit. So that's number one. Number two, um, you know, offensively, we obviously had uh, no offense, and um, that's been basically a trend, and that trend needs to stop, and it needs to frickin' Get better, and when it does, we'll have an opportunity to, you know, move ourselves down the field and beat an Air Force team like that. Air Force is going to get yards; they're going to get offense um, on you when they have really good players, and they have really good players this year. And you know, they've done that, uh, you know, fairly consistently throughout this year. So you have to match strength with strength, and in my opinion, against them, it's you find a way to get them off track on offense. Uh, their offense, which we didn't do a good enough job of, put them in uncomfortable situations and then make plays and get off the field. We were able to do it a few times, but not enough, obviously. And, uh, you know, you can't run whatever it was, 30-some-odd football plays. I looked at it the week before, two weeks before, and Fresno had 44 plays, and I thought that was uh, a few plays to get run against you, and all of a sudden we found a way to, to uh, make that even worse for ourselves. So, uh, recipe for success is not 46 minutes of uh, possession time, um, be inept completely on offense um, to beat a good Air Force team. So a uh, to work on and I look at myself right in the mirror and say that's uh, on me and I'll do all I can to help these kids get better and help these coaches get better but uh, that was hard to sit through for four quarters on that sideline and um, deal with that.
2: So in watching that game I thought that, you know, you're down 17 nothing I think it was, but then you come out in second yep. half and you score, and they go, okay, I mean, you're right back in this thing. And then, if I remember correctly, you, you trade a couple of punts, they pin you back down at the one, and you go three and out, at least from a field yep. position uh, vantage point, if you had gotten maybe one or two first downs, because then they score, and I thought that was the essence of the game right there. Is that the way you saw it?
4: great point no no there's no doubt i mean we're sitting in a position to be able to you know score we come back get the ball um can't do what we need to do force them to uh punt make some nice plays uh and they punt and pin us on the one-yard line, and then we go absolutely nowhere. And, you know, that was uh, – we punted. It's, it just happens to be into the wind. That's the game when you're playing it. And it was a stiff wind. The punt was decent for kicking into a 20-mile-an-hour wind. But, you know, we can we can all find a crutch, right? We can find the rain. We can find the snow. We can find the cold. We can find the wind. We can, there, There's crutches out there wherever you want them if you want to look for them. But, you know, we need to – convert a couple first downs in that situation flip the field or go score all of a sudden it's a you know it's a one score game it's halfway through the third quarter wherever it sat at that point air force has 17 points and as bad as it was on defense the bottom line is points that's that's what you look at at the end and say you win or lose with points and you know we had an opportunity to be able to you know cut it to a decent position right there and we weren't, and they got a short field, got the ball on the 40-yard line, punched it in, and scored. And, um, you know, at that point, it was uh, it was going to be uphill sledding the way that they grind the clock. And, you know, those guys wake up in the morning, and they just as well, you know, step on your face as play you in a football game, and that's how they're trained. And I respect the heck out of that. That's why um, it's such a challenge to play those guys every week. And uh, they took it to us at that point, scored again. And, um, you know, we need to get bigger, stronger, physical, and find a way to get a couple first downs there. And I'm sorry to be so irritated, but I'm irritated.
0: We're not surprised you're irritated. And if you aren't irritated about a 31 to 7 loss, you know, you might be in the wrong profession. So we're not. <laughs> There's no doubt. Pretty surprised. I don't know how much of a sense of humor you can have walking off the field. Do you tell Troy Calhoun you're right? You might be in the wrong league? Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I
4: don't know where he was going with that. I still, I still don't. I mean, maybe they, maybe they feel like independence or something good for them. I don't know, but, uh, you know, he's, he's got himself a, a heck of a football team and, uh, you know, they, they did some good things. So they're, they'll be right there battling with everybody as we go through and the bright side is, and so will we, but we have to step up and understand our deficiencies. And, you know, it starts this week with BYU. And then, uh, the week after that, we're going to play ourselves with four games left to, uh, you know control our destiny so that's where this football team is but that doesn't mean we can you know go sit in the corner and and uh, hide from what we what we took uh, uh the beat down that we took on Saturday
2: so there's really no point in asking you, oh, since you come back after this uh, demoralizing loss, would you rather play a conference game or BYU? Because you're playing BYU, so who cares what you want? You're, the fact is you've got to play BYU. Obviously, it's always an emotional game, national television, Saturday night, and blah, blah, blah. Is that something that you enjoy and embrace and want to transfer to the players to make sure, all right, you sucked last week, now you got a shot at the redemption. That's going to mean a whole lot to a whole lot of people.
4: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. And you take those, those, uh, you know, I'm the worst one to get over losses, and I'm never going to change that. That's just me. That's my personality. And, And I'm not afraid to talk, and I'm not afraid to talk. Uh, Harshly to a team and to myself when look in the mirror, and you know, then we'll move on. But it's right now; it's time to move on, and we'll move on through that as we go through this morning. The kids already had meetings. We'll put this game behind us at 145 and uh, but we'll wait to put it behind us because we need to understand it and we need to digest it and feel it and um, not be happy about it. But then we move on to a big game this week, BYU. There's no doubt it should fuel our fire. Um, I'm sure they're. They're uh, they're fired up. They've had some big wins. They've done some great things this year, and um, obviously beating Boise is a is a huge huge step. Uh, you know, they look and who they they beat. SC is right there in the fight for the the championship. So they've done some really good things. They're a good football team. and It's going to be a fight on both sides. They're coming to our place, and they're a physical football team. And if we can't match the physicality of the teams that we're playing throughout the rest of the season, you know, um, it's it's going to be a battle and. Uh, I'm looking forward to see this team play again. Uh, we are playing a rivalry game. That's a big game. It's an important game. But you know what the Aggies need to do? The Aggies need to look at themselves and take care of themselves and functionally you know, work in all three areas of the football game, offense, defense, special teams, to get better, and uh, then worry about playing BYU.
0: Aggie coach Gary Anderson joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So you mentioned earlier in the uh, in the interview about getting beat at the line of scrimmage, and I'm I'm curious – you know, we all know Air Force is the option, so it, in some regards it's different, but in some regards it's still kind of the same thing. So how much of the problems that you had against Air Force could be a problem against BYU, and how much of it is just a one-off play in that, that option offense?
4: Well, it's a ton just playing against that offense. And, uh, you know, the way that they're built, the way that uh, they go about things um, – it's it's extremely difficult, which we all know. So that being said, that that's a big part of it. I don't think we had a problem, you know, up front with the with the defensive line from a um physicality standpoint and hanging in there and, and being able to bang around with people. Um against anybody else we played this year. And I would suspect as we go through these next five games, we're going to be in really good battles with people. And I I expect us to be right there with the teams that we play on the line of scrimmage, and that we'll see. On the offensive side of the ball, you know, the youthfulness has has, has truly shown. And it's just the thing that the offense needs to uh, adjust to and look at and say, because it's really easy to point the finger at one spot. You know, it seems like everybody wants to do that. Well, I candidly and and very, very... uh, intensely disagree it's time for the other people to step up and stop looking at one person and saying well, what happened it's not that it's the ability for us to get where we need to be and adjust it as a coaching staff and say here's what we do well here's not what we do well and fix it and get us in a point to where the kids and all the kids and the kid pulling the trigger has an opportunity to succeed and then all of a sudden you'll see some special things happen um, but that happens with physicality football's a physical game and it starts there and i think it stops there so we need to get better
2: So my interpretation of what you just said, and I could be way off, wouldn't be the first time and it won't be the last time, but my interpretation is that... You're hearing and when you say the kid pulling the trigger that's obviously Jordan Love there's a yep. thought process going around as to and I and I'm at that game on Saturday night at the Rice Eccles press box for Utah and I'm hearing it along media row what's happening to Jordan Love how come he isn't as good as last year so that's perception and I think that's the that's my interpretation I don't know if you're intending to say that but that's my interpretation of it so with that in mind is it becoming a confidence issue with the offense now
4: No, I don't think it's a confidence issue, but that is the normal place for the normal fan and the normal person to go, right? Right. Exactly. And I I don't, I don't sit back and trust me I, I don't pay attention to that but i will make i'll make damn well sure that our football team doesn't get caught up in there because every one of those kids is going to listen and look and see and study their little their their, their cell phone and their yeah, social media now, whether i agree with that or don't disagree that's i, I disagree with it but that doesn't matter because they're going right. to do that that's right. fine but the point is correct that is absolutely the natural place to go where if you get yourself caught into that our team will not get caught into that they'll take responsibility and they'll understand that you know they are a huge part of it and you know you want to throw the ball, protect the quarterback better. You want to throw the ball, catch the ball better. You know there's still opportunities to be able to do it. So everybody better you want you want to throw the ball, coach him better. Um, and and you know absolutely, Jordan Love's going to sit there and take responsibility for things. But nothing, chaps, my you know what worse than when I sit there and I say, <laughs> okay, well so, you know what's wrong? What's what, da, da 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 No, it's a, this is a football team. There's 11 guys on the field, and there's you know seven or eight coaches on that side coaching them. So let's all look at ourselves in the mirror and find a way to get ourselves better. And if we can't, then you know, we gotta change it, period. Um however you change that, we've got to fix it. So I expect it to get better. That's the bottom line.
0: So it turns out then that uh changing the coaching staff and changing nine of the eleven starters had a big impact on the quarterback.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's that's to me that's another thing. You it's easy to sit back and, and look and but so, you know, I miss mean, where we're coming around. We got nine of eleven starters and you know, we're close and we're I, I get it. All the And then we've all said it on this phone call one or two times, blah, 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 right? I mean, this is going into game eight. So let's let's figure out what we do well. Let's figure out our deficiencies. Let's figure out the positive things, and let's mix it, and let's go be as good as we possibly can. And when this is over, in five weeks, and hopefully – another game after that or two games after that, then we'll all be able to look back and say we gave it our best shot. But don't just sit there and say because we have 9 of 11 starters or we got all new coaches or we got this or, you know, you know, I got a flat tire three days ago on my car or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me right now. Let's be the best we can be, battle our tails off, and then all of a sudden at the end we'll be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, we fought like crazy to be as good as we can possibly be. And then I'm good with that. I'm okay. But I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, we, uh, that's, that's why we're struggling on offense because you know our offensive line is young that's that's a cop out fix it and then we'll go from there
2: Ah, oh, you're speaking in my heart coach <laughs> this is I, I hate excuses man i just hate them if you get beat you get beat but don't give me a bunch of freaking excuses so i'm glad for you to come on here and say that stuff
4: well, I'm probably saying, I don't know. You know me, Lon. You know me. You go. It's just, it is what it is. I'm not going to pull punches right. with my players, my coaches, or anybody else. I'm not going to do it. And it's just a, it's a great opportunity, and I think everybody deserves that in Aggie Nation is to know that we are going to fight our tails off to make this thing be right. And um, we've done some great things this year. We can't discount the fact that we've done some great things. We're 3-1 and one in league. We've beat some really good football teams in our league, um, and we have an opportunity to be a really good football team. And I don't discount that at all, but I do want to make sure that we look at ourselves and understand where we have to get better and why we can get better and not just sit there and say okay it's it's just okay to be okay it's not
2: is it funky at all you've done this with kyle but now you're going up against your old d coordinator and your buddy is that funky at all
4: oh uh, it's always a little different you know kalani's obviously, very close a rod's very close, he lies I recruited he lies back a long time ago when he wasn't nearly as heavy as he is right now, and he could actually run the football and do some things it was it was awesome, so uh maybe he's a little lighter. I haven't seen him for six months or so, but the season usually gets him pretty good, so we'll uh, we'll see um but it, it's a little different playing against those guys there's absolutely no doubt they're they're tremendous people, and um you know, I love them and uh you know, I recruited A. Rod way back when, and you know, Clanie and I obviously had the opportunities to to coach together. And uh, I remember the day that he got the job at BYU and uh, how happy he was. And we kind of went through that process together. So those are those are awesome times. It doesn't change the the competitiveness of the game, uh, all those things that come 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 with it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but. It's a uh, it's a fun time, uh, you know. If it's, I always say this at the end. If you would rather, would you just hey, we just can't wait to play against each other? I don't think that's the case, but it doesn't really change how you compete and how you battle against each other week in and week out.
0: I don't know if you have the money in the Mountain West and the staff in the Mountain West to do this, but I've read stuff about other teams. You know, obviously the players have got to be focused on the Air Force game. The coaches has to be focused on the Air Force game. But if some of these bigger, richer schools, they can actually have analysts working ahead to kind of offset the advantage of going against a team that has a buy. Kalani knows you, Arod knows you, and they've had two weeks to go over film. And Eliza's been sitting in there knowing you were gonna make jokes about his weight on the air, thinking he's gonna get you back. <laughs> so all these guys Dude, have had attractive. time. But do you have those kind of resources in the Mountain West to have the analyst to be working two games ahead or is that just not possible?
4: Uh we n- not not for paid spots. <laughs> So we got guys that can come in and you know help us and volunteer a little bit to do some things and try to stay a little bit ahead. Um, you know, Coach Fav uh, comes in and does some things for us on on the offensive side of the ball, but he's actually kind of named as really as a, in a in, within our coaching staff. Um, I'll do my spot a little bit if I can um, to help stay a little bit ahead, if you will, especially later in the week for the for the defensive side. Um, you know I try to do more of that for Air Force, and uh, you know obviously I did a, a really a heck of a job helping them with the <laughs> Air Force plan. It was a great wonderful plan that I <clears throat> helped them come up with there that 's for sure um, but in, anyway, at the end of the day we can we try to help and um, have the but it 's not like here 's you know here 's a sixty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars coming to be an analyst and you know keep us two weeks ahead we don 't have that ability and i don't, i don 't think anybody does in the mountain west i 'd be surprised if they did, but i know we don 't
0: Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, appreciate you. Have a wonderful week. Go Aggies. There's Aggie football coach Gary Anderson, a little irritated, getting ready for BYU now. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, up to Ute practice as the
3: Utes get ready for Washington. Stay with us. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97-5 and 1280 in the zone. PK and I went up to University of Utah football practice yesterday. The Utes have a policy where they rotate every Tuesday through a couple of assistant coaches on the staff. So if you want to talk to Andy Ludwig, you know, roughly once a month, two or three times during the season, you get a chance. Spring's different, but once the game's start, it's a different deal. So yesterday was the day, and we wanted to talk to the offensive coordinator about how the offense was progressing, what he thinks of Tyler Huntley. You'll hear some questions uh, from other reporters working on stories. You know, Tyler Huntley's toughness, very complimentary there. And uh, his development this year. Here PK and I, with a few other media members, Talking with Andy Ludwig as Utah and Ludwig get ready for Washington in a big game this weekend. The part that you couldn't have known about Tyler until the season started was his toughness. How how has that impressed you? The way he's played through. Very
5: games? impressed with uh, his passion for the game, his, his work ethic, and uh, his toughness
6: is unquestionable. You, you talked, or at least Kyle's talked, a lot about how he's probably one of the best quarterbacks you've ever had. I mean, what what separates him from maybe any of the other guys that you've had in your tenure?
5: Uh, The combination of arm talent, accuracy, and athleticism, it's a a unique and awesome combination. If a player can only play to 100%, obviously, what percentage is Tyler playing to relative to his ability at 100%? Uh, That's a a great question, difficult question to answer. He's playing at a very high level. There's always things to improve and work on. The timing mechanism uh, and the drop back came in drop back game has improved and is improving i think there's room for improvement there um, but i just want them to do
2: more better that's what i want oh, so do. if you just went more easier to understand say like a, a letter grade would it be an a then would i give tyler a letter grade if, as opposed to a percentage yeah it would be easier to grade that way you see what i'm saying I would give him an A minus because I don't. I want him to keep on. Keep on.
6: <laughs> when you have to scheme against a guy that you know is a little hobbled by his injury, I mean, is that is how hard is that for you to kind of just know his limits and, and also not really sacrificing the whole offense as an identity?
5: We're just it's just part of the deal about trying to play to a player's strengths. If he's not at full strength, you try to put a little more workload in another area of the offense or maybe another player. And I think uh, you see some of that on tape couple weeks
0: how did you get through to him that when he scrambles he needs to stay behind the line of scrimmage and keep the eyes downfield and give himself a chance to make a big play because he's doing that much better than he used to i
5: I said it just the way you said he (laughs) took it he's he's extremely focused and uh, he wants to be a great football player and he works very hard at it he's been extremely coachable since the day i walked in the building and uh you know, again, we're just trying to get a little bit better each day, and he's doing that. Does he say more than five words to you? Because that's about all he says to us. Uh, yeah, maybe, eight. <laughs> maybe eight. but uh, He's a man of few words, but his actions speak
0: very loudly. Has he exceeded your expectations?
5: Uh, he's playing very, very well. So he's, you know, I'm fired up, but again, we got, we got things we can get better at. He's got to keep working, keep getting better. And, uh, I hope he, I hope he continues to exceed my expectations.
6: Jason obviously got the, the number two reps behind Tyler on Saturday. I mean, but what are you seeing from him that that maybe changes from practice to game day that that maybe can allow him to kind of keep that number two spot?
5: His... Well, it's the, it's the athleticism that he brings to the position. A couple weeks ago, we wanted to we we're trying to run the ball at the end of the game and uh, didn't want to run Tyler, so we put Jason in. He did a nice job, and then really had a. a little lift in his step there the next week of practice, and and that showed in the game last week. So, looking to continue that. He's a talented kid, and uh, he's
2: getting better as well every day. With Washington State having or, excuse me, Washington having a bye, do you think you might see some stuff that you haven't been able to see on film? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's, and that,
5: that coaching staff's been together for x amount of years so they got a big library of plays and uh, they know what they're doing they i'm sure they're well rested and got a couple little wrinkles so what we have to do and what we preach is we got to know what they have done and know what we're doing inside and out and then it makes the uh, adjustments that much easier
1: what are the characteristics
4: of a jimmy lake defense
5: Uh, multiple uh, very sound very fundamentally sound the players run to the football. And you don't see uh, blown assignments, and uh, it's a very well-coached football team.
6: When you first started as an offensive coordinator, what's different now than maybe then on on learning how to scheme for the entire season and not just a game-by-game?
5: That's that's about a 22-year question. (laughs) So what's changed?
6: Well, I mean, how's that easier for you? I mean, like, obviously you've, you've had that experience, but... Maybe you can introduce something during the game that maybe you could bring in later that, that can be a factor. How, how does that change in the sense of being able to work that in?
5: Uh, I think it just you, you just draw strength from your experiences, and you, you've been exposed to a lot of different players and a lot of different skill sets through the years, and you just you have a library to draw from. And how? Oh, I've seen a player like Derek Vickers. I've worked with players like Derek, who's a unique skill set. So you just say. I think this young man is a lot like this and you made some mistake with the last guy, but then you're not going to make with Derek and then uh, we'll just see who the next Derek Vickers is.
0: With Zach now, is he healthy enough that he's kind of full go and you can do whatever with him or you know, there are games where you've wanted to limit his carries in the past, get him out quick, you still have to kind of be careful. Zach
2: is full go. You weren't here last year, but it seems like there's fewer drops this year from the receivers as opposed to last year. Um, I know you can't compare it to last year, but what do you attribute to the receivers playing as well as they played this year? Uh, they're growing up. You know, I'm sure
5: that's still a pretty young group. But, you know, A year ago, they were a year younger and learning learning college football, and that that group has made as big a strides as any in the offensive unit since the first day of spring, and uh, I'm pleased with their growth and development, but that... They have a very high ceiling, not there yet, and uh,
0: it's a good group. Have the tight ends become more well-rounded in the sense that the guys who can block can catch and the guys who can catch can now block so that who you use doesn't tip your hand? Yeah,
6: yeah,
5: it's, uh, it, and it's good to get call you – know, for the first couple weeks, was a little bit stuck in a blocking role, and we tried to create some opportunities for him to catch because he is a viable pass threat. And Brant he's tough and physical in the in the run game. Hunter Tedford Thed, has been a nice addition to the unit, so uh, we just try. We don't really don't have that a go-to tight end. Brant's got a real unique skill set, but you want to make those guys have to cover everybody, every play. Is there a depth chart behind Zach, or you just play it as it goes? Uh, davante henry cole is listed as the number two but there's a lot of situation right. plays where we're plugging guys and right. rolling guys through right. so i would say it's zach and then it's running back by committee
0: so using the situational guys same question as the tight end do you feel like those guys are versatile enough it doesn't tip what you're trying to do based on who you put in there you gotta
5: be you, you have to be careful with that i know uh, a good football team has tendencies because they do what they do well. And there's there's some things that we're doing with the running backs that we're aware of. And so you, if you know a tendency, you have a way to combat it or you got to change it
2: completely. So we're doing a little bit of both. So you got four games left. and yeah, Obviously, you've already qualified for the bowl. But are there any guys that you haven't played so far that maybe you want to play going forward because under the new rules, if they don't play more than four, they can still get the year back? Uh, there's Bam, the offensive tackle. Right will be the, the
5: first one. The the, the two young wideouts, are, they've already played in their four games, so they're, they're rolling. Uh, there's uh, Devon Vele is a wide receiver who was injured in fall camp that will have four games to play, should be ready after the bye week. That will be a huge plus for us in the rotation. And I, I, off the top of my head, I, that those are the, the guys. Why
0: is he a huge plus? What would he bring that you really need? Uh just another
5: weapon, big rangy, athletic wide receiver. He's, he's a very gifted young man.
2: And so when you, when you were at Vanderbilt, last year was the first year. Did you take advantage of that rule? We did. Uh, we did.
5: We used a tailback for four games, used him, in a similar capacity that we are using Derek Vickers, he was similar, not, not identical, but similar to Derek. We used him for four
2: games and then sat him. So I guess you can't really a- answer my next question because you're not there. I was wondering how much better they were able to be by last year, but you're not—you weren't—you're not there this year. I mean, have you? Have you heard? Yeah, it? That's,
5: that, isn't an advantage. That, I, I have that young man's been injured, so. Um, but I know for a fact, in talking with the coaches back there in the spring, he was like a veteran player. You know, he's been there and done that and played. In SEC games or conference games, and, yeah. and succeeded. And uh, I believe he is the only player in that in that capacity last year. for me.
0: When you talk about the wide receivers being the position group that's improved the most since the first day, no. is it um, is it? the way they play and the fundamentals and all the details are better, how much of it is confidence once they start to think they do it, they go out and do it on a regular basis because they know they can catch it and make a big oh, play? Oh, I,
5: hu- I think it's huge, and then the other thing is that the ball's getting spread around. It's not like one guy's got 40 catches and another guy has it. I think you know they're all between about 20 catches each or so you know, or for the majority of the group, so uh, it's a hungry group, it's a competitive group, and Every
0: day. how much does that change the way there's always been a perception here that you runs it they don't throw it so good receivers won't come here because these guys have success as high school kids watch you know thompson hauling a long touchdown pass yeah. and everybody's dream yeah. does that change the feedback you get and the way guys text with you or when you go on home visits and talk to them or whatever
5: well yeah i mean the, the phone calls have been good i'll let you know about the home visits when that time comes up but if uh if you want to, if you want to play in a pro-style scheme that implements spread offense and catch deep balls, this is a great, a great system to be in. And
4: uh, you know, just trying to get better. How, how is Kyle different from 10 years ago? For you coming back here?
5: Uh, you know, you've heard me say before, so much has changed, but so much is the same. Kyle is. Uh, He's the same guy I knew. He's not the same guy I knew 30 years ago, but he's the same guy I knew 10 years ago. Focused, driven, players first, organization, detail. If anything, it's just kind of upped, and uh, nothing catches him off guard or surprises him. uh, He's been there and done that now.
0: How hard does it keep Tyler off the field? It seems like every time he gets injured, the next game there's a question whether he'll play, and he always says, I'm playing. It's like, why are you asking me? (laughs) <laughs> he's, as
5: we talked about right off the get-go, he's as tough a quarterback and tough a football player as I've ever been around, and you appreciate it. The work that he puts in in rehab and in taking care of himself is uh, commendable. And, uh, he loves football, he loves the Utes, and uh, he wants to do what he can to help us win.
0: I heard there was some thought that maybe he shouldn't go this last game and that he pushed pretty hard to go. Do you, does he give you some pushback at times?
5: No, he doesn't, He wasn't thrilled about sitting down at halftime. I told him, you know, the decision was made. If the defense gets, Cal had the ball first, and to start the half, if the defense didn't get a stop, Tyler was going to go back in. If they got the stop, which they did, he's done. And he, wasn't, he wasn't fired up, but he, he gets it. He gets it. It's a long season.
0: There's Andy Ludwig, the Utes' offensive coach. We're going to take a break. When we come back, all the headlines, what is trending, coming up, stay with us.